Hello everyone, my name is Victor Wooten. I'm a musician and a human being. Join us with Dov on Curiosity Bites, because this is a good one. We're talking about everything, music, life, gender, nationality, culture. It won't all be comfortable, but it's all worth listening to. Don't miss this one. Stay tuned. Welcome back. If you'd like to join in this conversation, get yourself over to Curiosity Bites on Facebook if you're now side of our group there and you can chat about this episode or any of our past episodes. I hope you've been binging this show. This is part four of my interview with Victor Wooten. And I want to remind you that this episode of Curiosity Bites is brought to you in part by Magcast. Imagine having your own industry magazine. What would that do for your authority? Whether you're a coach, a content expert, or an emerging brand, it's hard to stand out from the crowd. So what if there was a proven way for you to increase both your perceived authority and your professional status in the eyes of your market and get to do it all at once? This is your way to go from being invisible to getting a meeting with anyone. Simply go over to magcast.co. That's M-A-G-C-A-S-T dot co, where first-time publishers create thriving magazine businesses. All right. Welcome back. As I said, I'm here with five-time Grammy winner, uh, uh, guy who toured with people like Sly Stone, uh, who, sorry, like, oh my God, like Curtis Mayfield, who was around some of the greats of music for so, so long. Um, and and uh, we were talking about in the last section how he's become a, um, a teacher of music, but in the context of nature and using nature as an influence, we've talked about how uh, how he was influenced by musicians, but not necessarily by the name, but rather by the sound and the feel, and that was a part of his family and what he grew up in. I mean, this is a truly, truly, truly fascinating uh, conversation, uh, not least of all where we finished last time, which is that really um, being a great teacher is about being focused on the student rather than on the teacher. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things I would like to ask you is, you know, it seems like in many ways your childhood was pretty spectacular. Um, not saying it was without difficulty, but one of the things that is, uh, I, I think, you know, because you and I talked a little bit about it outside of recording, where I talked about my work is, is about finding dragon fire inside of people. That's what I believe in finding the dragon fire. Uh, and that's what I call it. And this is not, this is not passion. This is, it's deeper than passion. It's deeper than purpose even. And that a lot of what I've discovered is in the work that I've done in the last 36 years with my clients is that we look for our passion, but actually the truth is that much of what we where we find our truth is often in the pain, in the things that we don't want to look at is where there's a deeper truth. Is there a piece of that that resonates with you? If there isn't, that's okay. But is sure. there a piece of that that resonates with you? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. As a kid, I, I was fascinated with martial arts. And that led me to what's called a yin-yang symbol. 
where you got part, yep. you know. Uh, yep. my, my, my instruments are designed that way. Beautiful. Right? The yep. dots. So yep. we, we're pretty much all familiar with that symbol, but I don't know how many of us have really looked deeply into it. And I didn't as a kid. I just knew I was had gravitated towards it. You were drawn to the Taoist symbol. Yeah. Um, and I realize now that it has to do with choice. Right? To, ha to make any choice, you have to have something to choose from. So even if I choose to be good, bad has to exist. Mm -hmm. And for me to demonstrate my good, I need bad situations. And if I'm not that good, that means I need a really bad situation that I can be good in. Yeah. Right. If I want to be, I read it in a book. If I want to be the, the the light unto the world, but my light is not that bright, it's got to get dark around me, so that my dim light can make a difference. Right. So you can't have one without the other. Yeah. There's, so, a, there's a great quote that says, "If you pray to God for patience, do you think that God will make your life easier or give you more reasons to practice patience?" That's right. it. That's it exactly. So I don't believe there's any way to go through life without both. Mm -hmm. For, you know, to simplify the good and the bad. So yes, I've had both. And, you know, we talked about some of it just musically, the, the repeated dis disappointments in our, in our five piece band. You're going to make it? Well, no, you're not. Mm -hmm. Oh, we're going to discover you? Well, no, we're not you know, over and over, but that has made us stronger. Yes. Wiser. When we were in the studio, you know, and the, the producer's working on Whitney Houston's record, he's working on Kenny G's and he's working on ours. We learned a whole lot. Right. About the studio. We learned a whole lot about music as well as learning what to do. We learned what not to do. We learned what makes us feel bad if a person does or says this or if a person doesn't hold up to their part their their promises or their their bargain or part of the deal we learned a lot about that you don't learn about it all by everything going right but also it's the bad things in life that make life interesting mm -hmm. right we don't talk about the time we rode we drove through the desert on that hundred mile straightaway highway and and we didn't have a flat tire and our air conditioner worked and, and we got there on time. We don't talk about that. Uh, those are boring stories. Everything right. was, everything was fine. <laughs> exactly. Well, here's my book. Everything was fine. <laughs> One page. <laughs> That's a boring book. Exactly. Exactly. So the, I think the fuel of life are the negative experiences because yeah. that give us a, that gives us a place to rise from. And I, through, I thoroughly, truly believe that is what the human existence is about. You know, you know, I, growing up hearing my parents talking about heaven and hell and all that stuff, I have my own thoughts about all of it. Sure. But maybe heaven is a place where there is no opposite. It just is. Things are just beautiful or maybe it's not even beautiful because as soon as you say beautiful, there has to be an opposite. Yeah, exactly. Maybe it just is. There's no choice. This is just what it is. But as beings or as human beings, we get to come down here and actually be what we're not. Mm -hmm. The same way an actor can play a villain in one movie, 
and play the savior in the other, right? And they get to experience both. I think that's what the human experience is about, is getting to do that. And, and for me to be, even to have the desire to be good, there's got to be some bad around. And if I want to be a good person, what's my example? A bad person. Mm-hmm. So in my older years have of coming to that, I'll call it a belief. I, I look at it more as a realization. For me, of coming to that, it helps me. It helps me. I'm not a saint at it, but it helps me to be able to bless the negative people that I disagree with rather than just criticizing and cursing them and, and seeing them as bad. I can, you know, I can literally just say, well, thank you for showing me how not to be. And that takes a lot of strength. Yeah, it does. What it do doesn't you feel- stop me from working to make change. No, no. But what I see is more a point at who I am rather than what I'm really seeing. And I'm wise enough now to see that. So, obviously, you are a pretty conscious guy and you're focused on growing and developing. What do you feel, what do you feel like you're working on most in yourself? Because I, I personally believe there is no there. And I think the people who think that there really need some help. Uh, but the rest of us realize there is no there. And this is the thing I need to work on at this time. Sure. What are you in a in a personal, very personal way? What are you working on on yourself, Victor? What do you find yourself focusing pa- on? Patience with the people closest to me. Yeah. My kids and my wife. Right? The people you love the most hurt you the most. But it all comes from you. Mm-hmm. Right? There are things that we'll, 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 in our minds, curse our wife for or our kids that if someone on the street did it, you wouldn't even care. Right. Because you don't have that same attachment, that same love. Yeah. So again, that's the opposite. I was going to say that. Love the most hurts you the most. Yeah. It's the emotional investment in something that causes the pain. That's from Buddhist philosophy. But a lot of Westerners think, well, I just won't emotionally invest. No, it's not about avoidance of it. It's about being present with it being fully present with it, that if you, if I didn't love you so much, you couldn't push my buttons. Right. So it's in pushing my buttons that instead of getting mad at you, I get to look at me and say, Ooh, mm-hmm. there's a hot spot. Let's yeah. have a look at that one. Yes. Yes. And, and those negative parts and all parts of life jump out and stand out so much because they're not normal, not because they are. Right? Mm-hmm. The normal parts of life are so comfortable, we don't think about them. No. Right? In other words, every time I go to the mailbox for my whole life, the mail's been there. But if five days in a row, they're not there, I start to curse everybody, the mail system, everybody. And I say, the mail system's horrible. Mm-hmm. But it's because it's not normal that the mail doesn't show up. If I drive into a new city and five people cut me off as soon as I cross the border, I blame the whole city. Man, none of these people can drive. But when do I ever think good or bless all the thousands of others my whole life that have done it right? Yeah, exactly. So I look at now when things go wrong, I realize, okay, this isn't normal. It's not going to last. 
don't let it, you know, don't let it cloud my view that, that think that my, my wife or my child is always like this. And it's me that's upset, yes. <laughs> right? This is my issue. It's me that disagrees. I'm talk. I'm literally talking about me. Yes. Even though I'm aiming it at them. So stop for a second. Back up. Yeah, you know, maybe they, they need to change, possibly, but who am I in response to this? That's tough. Yes. Because I have to take responsibility of how I feel and what I see, even if what I see is in you. It's still what I see. And so that's always a constant working on. And since I'm home more than ever in my life with my family, this is my chance to work on it. Not only with my family, but I love this country. I love you. I love people. I love white people. I love black people. So it's, it's challenging me with that also to see people act like there's no virus. Oh, it's just the flu. You know, that's trying my patience, mm -hmm. you know, to see uh, this whole gender justice, this whole thing, women still aren't equal, you know, gays and all of that. We still, you know, as a culture, look down upon them, black people. Now I have the chance to look at it and it's, and it is trying my patience, mm -hmm. but I, am determined to become better because of it. And I do know that when I'm better, my world is better. I agree with that. And that's, that's, that's what I'm working on. What do you, what do you, just in a, in a more contemporary context, mm -hmm. you know, these are some pretty interesting times um, to use the quote of one of my great teachers. These are interesting times. They definitely, uh, evoke curiosity or judgment, depending on how you want to approach it. But, um, you know, I did a video recently and I said, um, I'm scared. And I, and I said, however, I'm not scared about what you think I am. Yes, I'm a white guy living in North America, but I'm not scared of what you think I'm scared of. I'm not scared of black people in the streets. I'm scared that it will all go quiet again. I'm quite, I'm scared that we'll shove it under the rug again, again, like, because I'm, I am old enough, even though I was a kid to remember Martin Luther King and the civil rights movement and, and black power and all those things. And I remember being a white Jewish kid in my ghetto, um, standing with my other Jewish friends. And we were like black power. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, it's, it's silly, but we, you know, I was brought up to, there was, there was no difference between people. We looked different. We called each other by uh, names that are not allowed anymore, including me as a Jew. I got called nasty names, but nobody took offense at it because it wasn't, it wasn't pejorative. It wasn't, uh, it didn't come with a, a disdain. It was actually just a, a way of recognizing each other. Mm -hmm. Um, when you looking at what's going on right now, are you inspired by it? Are you concerned about it? You know, when we, you know, we're seeing, I mean, police violence is against particularly people of color is pretty bad. Yes. And I, I want people to understand this, go do the research that 
the police uh, police brutality and death by police is very high, not just in the black, not just in the brown, but in the poverty people. So white, a lot of poor white people, a lot of rich white people don't get killed by police, but you know, poor, poor, you know, uh, hillbilly quote unquote, white people and black people and brown people. <clears throat> but when you see this, what's happening, particularly with, with the race and, and all that, like I said, does it inspire you? Does it worry you? What's your thoughts, Victor, as a guy who's out in that, in the world and a man of color? Yeah, it's, it's all of the above. Mm. Truthfully, totally, all of the above. I am inspired. I'm inspired because the world seems inspired right now. But I am a little worried and fearful that it's going to go back to normal because I can see it happening already. Yep. All right. You can see it going back. Um, but I'm inspired by the opportunity that we have. And mm -hmm. I think we have more of an opportunity that maybe we've ever had in our lifetimes. Mm -hmm. um, and there are people taking advantage of that, of that and, and doing good things about it. But there are people who want us to be quiet again. I had some neighbors that were on our porch last night. We have a big screened in porch and we were just sitting out talking and he owns some businesses. He's a white gentleman. They're a white couple and they own some businesses and they, they had put a black lives matter thing in their window. And, you know, and after a few weeks they were kind of encouraged by some neighbors or whatever to take it down. And, and there's a part of me that said, I get it. I get it. Sure. There's a part of me that says, man, we should never take this down. Right, never take this down. I had a, uh, I was doing, um, we, we, we did this webinar thing with a bunch of musicians that used to work with Prince. Yep. And so we had bass players and drummers and, uh, you know, male and female. And, and one of my friends that I knew po posted a question and, and she was a wonderful uh, white woman, very nice, you know. And, and I love this woman, but she wrote a question that says, during the, during this quarantine, have any of you been able, found time to participate in the Black Lives Matter movement? And I, my brain just went, bing. This person needs to be educated. And so we spent a moment of, I said, you know, my friend asked this question. She's a wonderful woman. Cause I didn't want us to all just come down on her. Wonderful woman, but this is showing me the misguided mentality. And basically, we started telling them our whole lives have been Black Lives Matter. Mm -hmm. You know, find time. You know, there's not enough time, right? Listen to the songs on my records. Listen to any speech I've talked about. You know, our whole lives have been that. And, and that's the thing. When we go back to normal, it gets swept un under the rug yeah. for a lot of people, but not for us. No. I, I still have to go back out into this world and deal with it. Women still have to get paid less. 
you know, or, or, or whatever. I still have to worry about the police. Uh, a transgender still has to worry about going out in public. And these problems don't go away on their own. So I'm, I'm a little fearful about that too. But the one thing I have learned about fear, and it, it really from a book by a guy named Gavin De Becker, The Gift of Fear is the name of the book. Hmm. He says, we fear, he says, fear is proof that what you fear hasn't happened yet. Fear is proof that what you fear hasn't happened yet. So if we're fearful, what we're fearful of is out in front of us, which means yeah. we have time. Doesn't mean we have a lot of time, but we have time to act. So when I'm worried or fearful, it's about what might happen, right? So right now, if I'm fearful, and I realize that if I'm fearful about things going back in, to normal, that means things aren't back to normal yet. So right. there's time to act. It may be back to normal tomorrow. That means I got to act today, right? So we need to do something doesn't mean I got to burn down more buildings. No. Right? And I'm not even saying that that's right to burn no. down buildings, but it's effective. Well, yeah. I think, yeah. you know, as Killer Mike said in his speech, you know, if you're burning down your own neighborhood, you're helping your enemy. That's not a good thing to do. Well, I, and at I the don't same agree time, with that one, Sorry? I, and I don't agree with that one. Okay, good. Tell me. Well, I get it. And in, well... No, let me change this. I agree with that one to a point, but I also see the see the difference. See it. Some kind of way you have to get attention. Mm -hmm. In exactly. other words, right. Okay, so Colin Kaepernick kneeled at the national anthem and got beat up by the world. Yep. Now they just opened the new baseball season yesterday and both teams kneeled on the national anthem. You have police forces kneeling now. So some, it takes something for the world to catch up. I agree. Right. And sometimes it takes people to listen. So in other words, this is a poor example very poor, but this is the only thing I can think of. And this is not to say I, I accept people burning down stuff and all of that. No. But just as another way to look at it, there are a whole culture, there's a whole culture of people in Tibet. In protest of the Dalai Lama being in exile for I forget how many years, they will go into a public place Set and set on themselves on fire as they're shouting their demands. Mm -hmm. Now, they could go set other people on fire yes. and shout sure. their demands. But it may be more powerful when they do it to themselves. Okay? So if I'm trying to get attention in my neighborhood, police, pay attention to us. This is what's going on. I can set my neighbor's house. 
to try to force the fire department to come to my neighborhood. Mm -hmm. That's one way. Yeah. It might be another way to do it to my own. It's a very good point. One of the things I said in that video where I talked about where I said I'm afraid and I was afraid of people going back to normal was I said, you know, you may not like what I have to say here and I may lose you as a quote unquote friend, uh, loose term. Um, and I said, but listen, if you speak and nobody listens, then you have to shout. If you shout and no one listens, you have to scream. And if you scream and no one listens, you have to take action. And if you take action and nobody listens, maybe you have to riot in the street. Maybe you have to burn shit down to just get them to notice that you're not going away. And part of the problem is I see things being co-opted. And this really concerns me because I said, um, I, I wrote a piece on this and said some things about it, which I said, who is the greatest president um, who ever existed at uniting people? And people said, you know, they came up with all a bunch of names. And I said, nope. And they always know. And they go, why? I said, in my opinion, Donald Trump. And they go, why? I said, who united a million women on the day of on the day he took office? Donald Trump. Right. Uh, who who has united black people to stand up against against what's going on? Donald Trump. Right. He is the the dark catalyst that's been needed for this. But there is also the co-oping, which bothers me. So the co-oping and the, and I said one of the great talents of of Donald Trump, if he has them, is his ability to steal the mic. Colin Kaepernick got on a knee using a Marine um, analogy. This is what Marines do. And he took a knee uh, for his brothers and sisters who died at the hands of police brutality because his white Marine friend said, this is what we do. Right. And that got co-opted and, and the, the mic was stole from him. And I said, no, yeah, it's about being, not being patriotic. And he lost his freaking career. Now they've come back and apologized and I'm like, piss off. Right, I have no patience for that. Um, and that mic is often stolen. I'm concerned, and I, I want to ask you as a man of color, as a man of influence, I'm concerned that even BLM as a movement has been co-opted and is no longer really about BLM. It's become about Marxist ideas. It's become about things that have got nothing to do with what it's about. And that is my biggest concern is that these things are, are taken and swept under the rug and it just, and, and then twisted in, into something that they're not. Yeah. Um, and that is definitely a part of it, but out of desperation comes des desperate method, meth, uh, measures. Yep. And we do have, uh, a, a president that knows, like you say, how to steer things yep. uh, to help meet his needs. Absolutely. Right now, his needs are to be reelected. And so there's a lot of steering going on, mm -hmm. including the virus, including the Black Lives Matters, including what does and what doesn't get talked about. Yeah. There's a lot of that going on. Um, but What's in not being talked about, Victor? What is it? What do you see as not being talked about? If, if I wanted to go back far enough, I would say how the country was founded. 
right? There's never been an apology to the Native Americans, right? Blacks have been told to go back home. Native Americans have been telling the Europeans to go back home. Where is home? Well, we all have to move to Africa, like we talked about earlier. <laughs> right. Every one of us right. on the planet is moving so, back to Africa. So if, if we really want to talk about what's not going, what's not being talked about, we should probably just go back to the very beginning and work our way forward. But it starts there. This country was founded on immoral grounds. Yes. Right? We killed a whole nation that doesn't even have a voice anymore. At least black people have a voice still. Yes. Native Americans don't. No. Nope. Sad to say. Terrible. Right? We killed them, moved them out to bring black people in <laughs> to, do the, to, to do the building and the work. So this is the way the country was founded. Now, as a new country, we had every opportunity to make it right. Mm -hmm. All right. And in many cases, we've done a lot of right things. We really sure. have. I don't, only, I don't only want to look at the negative stuff. No. It's a beautiful place with a whole bunch of beautiful people, and I'm happy to be here. But there are some still some things that haven't been talked about from the top down. Mm -hmm. The bottom up, yes. Right? That we need to rectify or else this country will fall. Right? Cream always rises to the top. The truth will always set us free. And to live on lies, the lies will fall. Mm -hmm. Right? That's just the nature of how life works at some point. Right? And I do believe right now there are some people that are helping that happen. Right? And I'm not too upset about it. Mm -hmm. that, that we're falling. Right? We need to. We need to get our knees skinned, maybe our elbows too, for us to all wake up. But currently, there's a lot of stuff. Like like going back to Colin Kaepernick, right? We're seeing people kneel and stuff, but there's not enough to me being done for Colin Kaepernick. Right. Who was so right mm -hmm. in his protests. Absolutely. So now that we're, black people are burning down buildings, they're saying, why don't you just be peaceful? And blacks are saying, we, we, we tried. Don't you remember? Yeah, we did that for 400 years, and you turned us into strange fruit. Right. Don't we, can we go back and talk about the peaceful side of this protest? All the news will show is the violent protest. Mm -hmm. And they will air anybody talking about, why do you have to be violent? Why are we burning down our own neighborhood? We'll air all of that. But we won't talk about the fact that peace has been peacefulness has been tried over and over. And if you corner any animal, eventually they will attack. And we're at that point. Yep. I I pray for a better pray in my my terms, not in mm -hmm. religious terms. But I, I, I pray for a better America. As a kid, I was inspired uh, by America, wanted to live in America more than anything um, because I saw it as a place where things could change. I grew up in a class system in the UK and I saw America as not having a class system. Of course, I was wrong. I was a kid. 
but it was seemed more less evident so evidently so um but things are filtered through a media so you you know you, you know i'm old enough to remember that when i was a kid um 68 69 summer of love you know um let's go let's go to san francisco scott mckenzie i mean beautiful song and mamas and papas and all that wonderful stuff was at the same time as black people were being murdered in the streets by police and being the dogs were set on and the hose pipes were set on them and just you know it was anything but the summer of love if you were a black person it was the summer of hate and devastation and you know the, there's an old saying that history is written by the winners um and maybe it's time that history was lit, written by the losers so that we can actually say oh we need to learn some shit here and I think Germany is a great example of that. Germany has done a great job of saying, we are going to write the history in truth. Mm -hmm. And we're going to say, we are, we are willing to own our national shame in order to not have it come about, even though there is today a rise in the right-wing nationalist movement, in, even in Germany, which is terribly scary in a country that is most vigilant about it. Um, but they were willing to say... We went off the tracks in the name of being uh, patriotic. We went off the tracks. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's the greatest danger is a jingoistic idea of patriotism. My country right or wrong. That is not democracy. Mm -hmm. That has got nothing to do with democracy. That has got to do with jingoism and it's terrifying. You know, if, if I, I, totally agree but if if you and i sit down and we look at anything let's say we look at a bouquet, bouquet of flowers if you write your story of what the flowers look like even if we agree it's going to be different than my version of course because there's no way for us to see it the same way no so having one version of history anyway is going to be leaving a lot of people out. That's so very I don't true. know why there has to be a truthful version of history. Why can't kids learn about different versions? Well, certainly a collective idea, right? I mean, because yeah. I think that, you know, so much of uh, Jim Crow is not taught in the schools of slavery and what it was. I mean, some idiot called it immigration. I mean, like <laughs> some teacher actually called it immigration. Yeah. Like, I don't know if I, I, I immigrated to the, to Australia and then I immigrated to Canada. Uh, now I realize that the original people who immigrated to Australia did it in chains. They were, they were prisoners who were shipped to the, to, mm -hmm. to the, the penal colony of us colony of Australia. Yeah. Um, but I didn't go that way. I was an immigrant. It was a voluntary. I don't know. I'm pretty sure the Africans who originally went didn't go, oh, well, let me fill in my immigration papers. Yeah. I went, I went to a museum in Haiti and their memorial, not memorial, their, their display on Columbus, who we still have a holiday for, was quite different 
Yes. <laughs> than, than our version. Yeah. Right. And so why can't I learn about that? Right. You know, my brother Roy, I shouldn't even said who, which brother, but my brother Roy in the third grade was talking to his teacher. I can't remember what the question was, but her answer was, you don't have a history. Your history is slavery. So what? of course he's third grade and he still remembers it. Oh, I'm sure. Right. Because, and, and the reason that of course he's, if he's still talking about it, of course it affected him. Yeah. But because of our parents, he was stronger than that. And in a sense, smarter than the teacher, but that was her mentality. And I don't know that I blame her because no. I'm not positive that he, she was trying to hurt him. No, she probably believed it. Well, I said years ago, I gave an example and I said, um, you know, the actual, uh, an episode of, uh, curiosity bites that was released as we we're recording this, mm -hmm. that was just released was with Tony McAleer who wrote a book called the cure for hate. And he started, um, life after hate and he was a neo-nazi um that i helped to de-radicalize it's, it's a phenomenal show uh, uh and you know and we talked about how he had been a, a holocaust denier and all those things and and talks about the venom of, of that and one of the things you know that he and i had talked about it in other interviews actually while we were at the un together was you know if you are a kid in the 1940s, let's say even late thirties, like before the second world war, and you're a white kid in Southern United States and you see a black kid and you call that kid a monkey. Are you a racist? That's the question I asked at the UN and the, and they said, yes. And I said, no, you're not a racist. You are just speaking. You're just parroting what you, what you heard. Sure. You could have no racist, uh, you couldn't have a racist cell in your body, but that's the indoctrination. And so you actually believe that these people of a different skin color have less intelligence than you. And that oftentimes racism is nothing more than ignorance of course. And, and the exposure to. So when that woman says you have no history except for slavery, I, she may not have been venomous. Right. She may have just been regurgitating her, the nonsense she was given. And that's the place of compassion. Right. But even if she was venomous, there's still a place for compassion because it's Absolutely. still ignorance. It's still yeah. what she's learned. Yep. Still misinformed. It yes. may have turned to her being, you know, vengeful for whatever reason, which makes it harder to be, com have compassion. Mm -hmm. But, the answer, I believe, comes back to understanding, being curious as to where it came from. Yes. Being respectful, sometimes being unrespectful. Like I say, I'm not advocating those down. Yeah, exactly. Right? But working for uh, a common ground, not even having to agree but respect. My brother Joseph teaches in music that in music, rhythm can make two unrelatable things relate. 
like he like he says he can drop a chair or for me I can drop a notebook and <coughs> cough they don't relate until I go soon as I add rhythm to that and cough, rhythm makes them relate and you get it. He says in life, respect is the same way. We don't have to agree, but if we respect each other, it's the same as the top, the guy, the, the black guy who had, he did a Ted talk where he had that meeting with the grand wizard of the Ku Klux Klan. I was just thinking about him. Yeah. They don't agree, but they respect each other. And in the end, the man takes his hood off and says, I quit. Yeah. Right. And he's got a bunch of, a, a bunch of the, the outfits. That's right. so awesome. Right? And, and it doesn't mean that he even wants to associate with more black people. Maybe he might even still think our race is better, but that respect yeah. can at least still make you relate. Yeah. And I think that should be more of our method, our goal, rather than forcing you to agree with me and to tell me I'm right. Right. And for me, that's the thing that our parents tried to drill into our heads. Our mom would not let us argue. We could have discussions. We could have heated discussions. But if it started getting heated, we'd see her appear in the doorway and she'd stand there and listen. And if it got to the place that we were just trying to prove we were right, she'd say, that's enough. And if we tried to keep going, she said, I said, that's enough. And we'd have to stop. We were allowed to talk, but it, it, it couldn't be about proving us right. And that's a hard one. That's one I'm still dealing with today, especially yeah. with my own kids who don't want to listen sometimes. But that is, you know, for me, I, I, I've said, um, in my writings and, and on shows and things that I've said that if you want to know the root of war, I'll tell you what it is. It's the need to be right. Sure. And, and all war, whether it's between nations or whether it's between people, or even if it's between yourself and that voice in your mind is a war of needing to be right. And when you give that up, you become free. <laughs> I don't want to be right. I do have a desire to be understood, of course, but I have a greater desire to understand. And that's why I believe that curiosity is the cure. I believe that curiosity is the cure with some yeah. damn good base to pull <laughs> it through for rhythm. Victor, this has been an amazing conversation. Thank you so, so much, mate. Thank I you. I so uh, appreciate. I'm so grateful for you taking the time to be with us and share your your wisdom and your kindness and your generosity. It's been amazing. Before we finish up, please tell our listeners where they can find out more about you, your music, and all your resources. Sure. the The easiest place is to go to victorwooten.com. Most of everything I'm doing is there, and that will also lead you to other places like you know Instagram, Facebook. You know, now with social media, you know, you'll know what I had for breakfast before I even know. <laughs> it's all there because I haven't eaten yet. So we'll find out. Let me know what I'm having today. <laughs> everything is online. You know, I have music. I have books. There's a new book coming out uh, soon that talks about music and, and the, de the declination, the, the declining of music 
that we have these days. So, you know, I'm, I'm out there. If you send me a message on, on, my, on my website or Instagram or Facebook, I do my best to answer them myself. If you get an answer, it's from me. And I, and I love people. Hopefully when we're back to uh, playing shows again, you'll come and see one of our shows. I stick around. If the venue allows, I stick around after every show to meet people. And I want to look you in your eye and thank you for coming and supporting uh, what I love to do. So I'm around. I'm out there. Let's chat. Fantastic. Thank you, sir. Hope you'll stay with us to the end. And for you, dear listener, dear viewer, remember that you can join in the conversation, go to Facebook and look for Curiosity Bites and look out for these. And please rate, review, subscribe to the show. We really appreciate it and share it with everyone else. I mean, there are such amazing conversations here and we are so blessed to have guests like this. So thank you. And I hope you'll, we'll, you'll see us on the next episode of Curiosity Bites.